Can we just jump right into the main thought of this first uh, uh, message today in the Christmas season? This is the thought I, I want you to, to take away today, and it's simply this. The beginning of Christ's life is directly tied to the end of yours. The beginning of Christ's life is directly tied to the end of yours. We need to go way back and think, uh, uh, think through what the Israel uh, people, God's chosen people, they had been praying that God would uh, send them a warrior, send them a leader, send them someone to, uh, to uh, be their great defender. See, they were under Roman rule and they had heard stories of the great things that God had done. They'd heard stories about how uh, they crossed the Red Sea and uh, escaped the Egyptians and how God had saved them, rescued them. They were praying for someone to rescue them and God sent them a redeemer. Isn't it oftentimes when we're praying for one thing, God has something way bigger in mind. And we didn't know, but uh, the beginning of Christ's life on earth was going to impact everyone and the end of your life. I was telling this thought to my wife, and, and she, wrote, she was just thinking about it and wrote this. And I thought it was so beautiful. I want to share with you. She said, if we look closely, we see God's love is unbreakable, yet a delicate thread that is gracefully woven throughout time, connecting the very beginning of Christ's arrival in a Bethlehem stable to the very last surrendered breath of your story. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it crazy that God knew uh, while people were crying out, God would send a crying baby because he knew that one day there would be a deeper cry in the heart of man And he wanted to be able to satisfy that longing in the cry of our heart. And it would come through the form of a baby. Let's remember the story today. The Bible says in Luke, um, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. (laughs) She was a virgin. She was a teenager. Doesn't what God has planned for favor oftentimes look different than what we would think favor looks like? Hey, by the way, you're pregnant and everybody's about to judge you. Your life's about to be in danger. Your fiance is going to want to leave you, right? Like, like what is up with that? Mary was greatly troubled. Well, I bet I would be too at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never, ever end. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, can you imagine that if God was going to send 
a baby to be the redeemer. And he, you heard, he was going to have a kingdom and a throne. You would think that he would be sent to a royal family, to somewhere uh, with royalty, prestige, honor, money. (laughs) But God didn't do it like that at all. And as I was thinking on this, of course he didn't. Because if Jesus had been born to a royalty, well, then only certain people could have access. But he was born lowly so that anybody who wanted to come to him could come to him. And isn't it beautiful that uh, even though he couldn't, they could not even find room, a place for him to be born. There was no room. There was no room. I like to say it like this, like this. There was no room for him, yet there was room for everyone. Think about it. No matter what sphere in life you found yourself, if you wanted to worship Jesus, there was room. There was room for the shepherds who were just a little bit away and an angel came declaring that Jesus was there. There was room for for the magi from afar who came and and they brought their gifts. And isn't it wonderful today that there's room, no matter your history, no matter where you find yourself in life, no matter if you've been coming to church for a long time, or today is the first time you've come back into the doors and you feel far from God, if you want to worship Him, Jesus makes room for everyone who wants to worship Him. Can we give God praise right there? You know why he does this? You know why he does this? Because Jesus came to reveal God's love for sinners. See, we're talking about how Jesus' birth, directly, his birth directly ties to our last moments on earth. They're connected. In his birth, he came to reveal God's love for sinners. He loves sinners. And in fact... People came with all kinds of uh, ways to worship him. And three of them came with gifts. And y'all remember these gifts, frankincense, myrrh, and gold. And this is really cool because a lot of things that happen in the Jesus birth story are a foreshadowing of us today. One, that anyone could come worship him. That's pretty cool because that's where we find ourselves today. But also, even in these gifts that they brought. So frankincense is the first one we're going to talk about. Frankincense represents Jesus being worshipped to God. So so frankincense comes from tree uh, resin. And it is, uh, uh, they would put it in temple worship. And because they liked the fragrance and the smell. So they would light it on fire and they would worship with this in the temple. And in fact, a lot of places that worship still use this today. And it represents that this Jesus, this baby was God. Fully God. And he was to be worshipped as God. And that's what it represented. And then there was myrrh. And this represented that Jesus, not only was he God. But he was human, and he would die. See, see, myrrh was a was a was an oil they would put on dead bodies before their burial, and it represents that Jesus not only was fully God, but he was fully man, and he was coming because he was going to die, and he was going to be the great exchange, but for people like me and you. See, the reason Jesus came is Jesus came to pay for sin. 
And you can write this in your notes. Jesus came to pay for sin. Because sin separates us from God. And Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice so that he could pay for sin. In fact, it's his mission statement. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Aren't you glad that today, no matter, you know, you can be in the church for a long time and still kind of be lost. Come on now, that, that hits home right into where someone is sitting. I just got right up into your lap up in Madison. Because <laughs> somebody has been coming to church for a long time and you still kind of feel a little lost. The good news of Christmas is that Jesus comes. He came to seek and save the lost. But it's not just the frankincense or the myrrh. It was also gold. And this is where we're going to hang out today. That gold represents the kingship of Jesus. And you know this. Because gold is expensive, it's beautiful, it's rare, it's for royalty. And Jesus was not only God who was in flesh as man who would die. But he is a king of a kingdom. Now, you know that when there is a king, they have full authority. And if you don't recognize their kingship, that's treason. And what happens to someone who commits treason? They die. Aren't you glad that Jesus is a patient, loving, kind king? (laughs) Because he is the king of this kingdom because he paid the price with his blood on the cross of Calvary to buy this people that is me and you. And whether we recognize him or don't recognize him, make no mistake, he is the one true king of the kingdom. Him alone. And this is important. So important because his birth directly ties to the end of our, our, our days. And because the Bible says that everyone here will stand before this king. On, on a God's judgment seat, as it is written, as surely as I live, God says, I promise you. If God says he promises, you need to take note. As surely as I, and it's key that we're standing. But then he says, I promise every knee will bow. And every tongue will acknowledge. Isn't it wild to think that we have the choice that we can either bow now in humility on our own choice or there will be a day where we see God in his fullness and glory and we will choose in that moment to bow our knee and to acknowledge him as God and King. There will be a moment, the Bible says that all of us, and this is scary, will give an account of ourselves to God. I want to let that sink in. That every person under the sound of my voice will go before this God and have to give an account of ourselves. You know, I used to be a substitute teacher. And I was a... uh, um, uh, a pastor for, for student ministry for years, for over 10 years. So I know uh, being a sub, being around teenagers, I know teenagers don't, are not nice to substitutes. Come on, amen, somebody. <laughs> and all the teenagers laughing, I see you, I will kick you in the shin. I know you, okay? <laughs> all right? 
Uh, I know I know how they treat substitutes. And I got this call. This is a true story. I got this call. This was years ago. I got this call one day. Hey, the teacher got sick. Can you come in and teach this class the second half of the day? Yeah, I'll come in. And so I came uh, to, to the school that day. I went into the class, and, and, then, and they were preparing because the next day was finals. Oh, someone just got anxiety when I said finals. Bless you in the name of Jesus. It is going to be okay. I still have bad dreams that I never got past math class in high school. I kid you not. I mean, it is awful. Finals. Finals. It was finals. And I stood up in front of the class and said, it looks like from the notes, because the teacher had rushed out sick, that you guys are preparing for your final tomorrow. And they said, Mr. Dale, Mr. Dale, we're so glad you're here. <laughs> oh, we miss you, Mr. Dale. Oh, and I was like, well, hey, we need to get started. Get into your groups. Let's start preparing for final. Are you not, Mr. Dale, Mr. Dale? You're supposed to give us the answer key. <laughs> what? The answer key? Yes. You're supposed to give us the answer the teacher always gives us the answer key the day before so we can prepare. I was like, oh. And in my mind, I think, y'all, I was born on a Friday, but not last Friday. You know what I'm saying? Come on, somebody. And so I, I was like, oh, this answer key. And I hold it up and they're like, yes, that answer key. Y'all know what I'm talking about if you haven't been there. Yes. I was like, what would you do for this answer key? Anything. Would you do everything? Everything. <laughs> I'll give you this answer key, but I need you to do one thing. What's the one thing? I need you. And I told him, I need you to all stand up right now. Everybody just stood up. And I said, I need you to listen to me. I don't want anyone talking. Everybody was quiet. And I said, I need you. Now start hopping. <laughs> this is a true story. Now, I'm not going to have y'all do all that, but you can participate from here. Then I said, I need you while hopping to raise the roof. Everybody, come on, raise the roof. Now, you're not lifting it high enough. Lift it on up. Lift it on up. Lift it on up. I need everybody. Hey, I'm going to come kick some of you. Raise the roof over there, people. Raise the And then I told him, now start telling me how awesome I am. Mr. Dell, you're the best. We love you. Are you worthy? I'm not worthy. You know? <laughs> Now stop it. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. They all sat. And I said, I would never give you this answer. <laughs> How dare you lower yourself in front of a sub? You know who I am. I'm just a sub. <laughs> what would you be willing to do if on life's final test you could have the answer key? Today I'm telling you there's a moment where you're going to be held accountable to God and there's a test and the first one is called the great white throne judgment. I don't think people realize this enough that we're going to be accountable for ourselves and we're going to go before a holy and mighty God. And Jesus came, he was, he was born because his birth was going to influence our end. And he wanted us to be prepared. When we stood before God at giving account for our lives. So today, the good news is we know the questions on the test. <laughs> and we're going to get the answers today. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Awesome. The Bible says 
in this moment, uh, as they were looking ahead in, in this uh, 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 revelation moment, he said, I saw a great white throne. Remember, this is the great white throne judgment. In other words, they call it the everybody judgment because everybody is going to have this judgment before God, according to the Bible. And him who was seated on it, and the earth and heavens had fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. This was the end of the world. It was the end of the time. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Now notice a plural there. The books were open. All the books. Now what? What is this, a library class? What are we doing, right? So we, we, we go in this moment, and you go before God, and there's this, I imagine it's like, uh, Derek, you need to come to the back. You know? And so like you walk in, like, nice place you got here, you know? And, um, and there's all these books, and they're all about you. And everything you ever did is recorded in these books. Now that's scary. There are volumes of my middle school years alone. <laughs> you know, like, there is a lot of information. I don't want everything I've done recorded in books. You don't want everything about you in the books. But we need some good news today. There's good news. Say good news. Is that there's another book that was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged. Now, this is the spiritually dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Now, let's see how this plays out. So there's all these books that has everything I ever did wrong in them. But then there's another book. And if in this other book, if my name, according to the word of God, is in that book, the Lamb's book of life, then I will be judged because of what Jesus did for me and not what I did in the books. I need you to hear this today. Hear this. Uh, you want to be judged out of the book, not the books. So, Because here's the thing, y'all. That God sees everything. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. In other words, nothing, another translation that says, nothing is outside the sight of God. Everything he sees and knows And we want to depend on what Jesus did for us, not what we could do for ourselves. Jesus came because his birth was directly tied to our end. So we could stand before God and call on the name of Jesus. So here's here's the deal today. The question, the, 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 the problem rather, is that all of our sin has to be paid for. See, people wonder why a good God would send people to such a bad place in hell. And the truth is, hell is a place where people go to pay for their own sin. And God doesn't want you to pay for your own sin. That's why he sent Jesus to pay for your sin. Do you hear me, church? So today, we have to recognize, do we want to pay for our sin in a place called hell, eternally separated from God? Or do we want to take the free gift of God and let Jesus pay for our sin and have our name in the book? So here is the first question. Question number one. And when you stand before God, what did you do with my son Jesus? This is in your notes. You might want to write this down. What did you do with my son Jesus? And I want to ask you, 
What did you do with Jesus? I hope you have the right answer. You can write this down. I gave my life to Jesus. I gave my life. Notice the word give there. I gave. I I didn't have to. I, I gave it freely and willingly. I gave my life to Jesus. Because Jesus is looking for something authentic and real. There's this story in Chicago. True story. I think it happened in the 70s. There was this fire. And they have these huge um, um, apartments, buildings. And they're 30, 40 stories tall. And this fire uh, caught around midnight, one night. It started to burn the apartment to, uh, to the ground. Luckily, they caught it early and they evacuated everyone out of the building. And they got them all out. And they're standing, you know, they put up the the tape line and they're standing back here where they're looking on the fire. And as they're looking, they hear a lady screaming, running towards the building. My baby! My baby! Someone help my baby! And they run up and as she runs, a firefighter jumps in front and he says, what's wrong? What's wrong my baby? She had left in the night with her kids. True story. Still there. And in the middle of the commotion, getting out of the building, the young kids forgot to get their sibling. The baby, the, ba- the baby sibling was left in their crib. And she's screaming, my baby, please help. So the firefighter is putting on all of his gear. And he's like, what room? What place? He runs back into this building that is burning. And he starts room 2204, 2204, and he's climbing up the steps. One floor, two floor, three floor, and he gets to room 22, just 22. This is, this is the 22nd floor, and he can barely see, so he drops to the ground and starts to crawl because you got to get on the ground because smoke rises, right? And so he starts to crawl down the hallway, and he starts to reach up and feel the numbers on the doors, 22, 22. I think this is 2204. He opens the door, he walks in, and he sees four legs of a crib. He goes over to the crib, he reaches into the crib and feels the baby, pulls the baby out, puts the baby into his coat. He rushes out of the room, goes back to the stairwell, starts climbing down fast as he can. This building's on fire. I got to get out. I got to get out. He gets to the door, opens the door, runs out of the building. And as if it was made in Hollywood, the building starts to fall and collapse behind him. And the crowd is waiting and they see him running towards the mother with something in his his jacket. And they start to scream and applaud because here he is. And she said, my baby, give me my baby. He opens up his jacket and pulls out and hands her the baby doll. Something that looked real, but was not real. And we need to know today that God desires an authentic, authenticity, not imitation. See, there's God, the Bible says, that there are going to be people that say, God, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons and perform miracles? And he's going to say, I didn't know you. I didn't know. I didn't know. Let me say it like that. There are going to be people, I hope not, there could be people that say, God, but I went to Daystar. God, I went as much as I could. 
Uh, God, I, I served sometimes. I gave sometimes. God, but you didn't know me. Can I be honest with you today? The Bible says we're all going to stand before God. And he is looking for authenticity, not imitation. Not what you pretend to be, but who you actually are. I know we're at this moment kind of early today because this is just the first question. This is not the end of the, of the service. We're going to get out on top, don't worry. But I feel like it was so important. I was talking to the team. I was like, I think we should actually just right in the two and a half, two, two, two thirds through, <laughs> stop and ask the question. Not me ask it, but in that last moment when you're before God, And he asked you, what did you do with my son, Jesus? Can you say it was real? It was authentic. God's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for people who authentically love him and have faith upon him. Will you close your eyes today? I want to ask you that question. We're not done after this. We got just a few more minutes. But I want to stop right here and ask you on the behalf of what the Bible says, what have you done with Jesus? If God was asking you, could you say it's been real, it's authentic, it's genuine, or would you say, yeah, there was a time I raised my hand, but I didn't really, nothing about my heart shifted. Nothing about me really is any different. My heart is still far from God. Today, I want to give you a chance to say, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to make it real. I see it in faith. I want my name in the book. I want my name when I stand before God for my sin to be paid for because of the blood of Jesus. Not because it's not something I could do for myself. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you. No one's coming to get you. I want to pray for you. Will you right now boldly just lift your hand? Yeah. Yeah, I see you. Who else? Who else in this room? I see you. Who else? Who else in this room? I see you. I see you. Who else? Who else? One more moment. I see you. Who else? Who else in this room? Oh, I see you. I see you. Who else? Who else in this room? I see a little one over there. Who else? I see you back there. Who else? Way in the back. Who else? I see you. Who else? Who else? Can we all say this prayer together? Church, can you say, Jesus, I am not worthy. Thank you for coming as a baby and living and dying for me. Thank you for defeating death. I receive salvation. Today is a starting point for the rest of my life. And when I stand before you, I want my name in the book of life. I want to use my life to love you, to serve you. I am not worthy. I am a sinner. I am undeserving. Forgive me of my sins. Be the king of my life. I kneel before you. You're my king. In Jesus' name.
Hey guys, there was like eight, ten people just now raised their hand and people all over. Can we just celebrate that? That is worth our celebration. That is worth our celebration. Now we have just a few more minutes together and I don't want us to miss this next part because this next part is exciting. Because if I'm talking to believers now, you need to know this, that there is a second question. There's a second part of this story at your time before God. And it is called, uh, um, uh, well, we need to know that Jesus came to reward his children. And that's why there's the second part. It's because Jesus came to reward his children. You can write that down. But the second part is called the judgment seat of Christ. And this is awesome. Because this is a moment where God is going to reward his children. What king does that? What king sees people worthy and wants to uplift them and reward them with his treasure for the faithfulness, the life they lived? Now, I need you to know something. This is so important that this second judgment is not about salvation. And it does not determine if you get into heaven or not. That was already decided in the first judgment. Okay? So if you... If your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, then you have this part. If it's not, that's the end of the test. But if it is, there's a second part. And you go to the second judgment. It doesn't determine if you get into heaven, but the kind of experience in heaven you may have. Now, I need you to hear this, and I want to be very clear. Heaven, I don't know, obviously. Y'all probably know just as much as I do about heaven. Just from what the Bible says. But heaven's going to be awesome for everyone. Can you just hear me say that? Heaven is going to be amazing no matter what. It's heaven. Jesus is there. But the Bible is also clear that there are different experiences of heaven. And it's all due to the way you submitted your life. And when I, I got to tell you the hardest truth I'm going to say all day if you're a Christian. Are you ready? I love you. You are the most privileged people. I am the most privileged people spiritually on this planet. Can you let the weight of what I just said sit for just a second? You live in the most blessed nation, in the maybe the most blessed country, part of the country. Roll Todd, I'm sorry. <laughs> It was too soon. Okay. <laughs> um, you live in, a, in the Bible Belt. You have access to Jesus like no one. Except for maybe the disciples who walked with him. You have the whole, even more. Because you have the Holy Spirit with you all the time. And you're in a place that allows you to go to God as freely, as often as you want. You can have a small group every night of the week if you wanted to. There is weight that comes with that and responsibility. And in this second moment with God, it is for believers, for Christians, where God wants to faithfully reward you. But what have you been doing with that? 
See, the Bible shows us all kinds of pictures of what it's going to look like. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us. The things done in the body, whether good or bad. The Son of Man is coming in His Father's glory with His angels. And He will reward each person according to what they have done. On the judgment day... Fire will reveal the kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show. See, this is why it's talking about the second judgment because there's nothing you could do to earn salvation. That was done for you through Jesus. It's a gift you have to receive in faith. But there's a second part that it is what you did that mattered. And, 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 and the fire will show if a person's work has value. And if the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. Isn't it amazing that God wants to reward us, honor us? You need to know that the second question is, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? You're going to stand before God. Christian, believer, and he is, I don't know if it's going to sound just like this, but it's going to sound something like, what did you do with what I gave you? And I want to ask you that. What are you doing? What are you doing with what God has given you? I hope the answer we can all leave here with is I've made a difference. In eternity, if you can write that down, I made a difference. I took what I had and I made a difference. There's this picture at the end of in Revelation, and it's such a cool picture. The 24 elders fell down before him, Jesus, and they worshiped him, the eternal living one, and they cast their crowns before the throne. They literally took off their crowns and threw it at the feet of Jesus, singing, Lord, you are worthy to receive the glory, the honor, and the power. I was talking to a friend. I've heard this a lot in my life, this scripture. I was talking to Pastor Eli at Madison this week and kind of just talking through this message with him and the notes. And, and um, we got, I was telling him about this scripture and what I was thinking about it. And he said, you know what's so interesting about that scripture? It's not a one-time casting the crowns, but they, they see it over and over. And here's the question. How did they get their crowns back on their head? <laughs> it's silly. Like if they keep throwing them down, how does the crown get back up on their head? And he said, uh, uh, what if we, we kind of talked about this and came to the conclusion, and this is just a beautiful thought, what if... When we cast our crown, Jesus picks up the crown and puts it back on their head. God, I'm not worthy of you. I don't deserve you. It's when you see God on that day in all of his glory, where heaven itself, he will be the sun that radiates in this place that's beautiful, that he built, that he's building now as I speak to you, called heaven. And we stand before God and see him in the glory. All we're going to want to do is to take everything that he has given to us and lay it back at his feet and say, I'm not worthy of any of this? What if he's the one that picks it back up and puts it back on your head and says, no, you are worthy because of me. I want you here. I love you. It was always about relationship. Yeah, you're not the main point of the story, but you are the one that I died for in my story. Jesus saying to you, you are the one that I love. You are the one. 
don't you want to live a life that makes a difference for that day for that moment for that experience so how do we do it how do we do that very quick you can make a difference with what you have right now don't wait for something you don't have you have already been given things by God what you have you can use to make a difference you can make a difference with your time you know the most valuable thing you have is not your money it's your time you can make a difference with your time and you can make a difference by sharing Jesus (laughs) we've got Christmas coming up there's plenty of opportunity to make a difference can I tell you one last story as we close today no one answered so I'm saying that's a yes um There's been so many times like you, I'm sure. Y'all, I feel like I get stuff wrong all the time. I hope y'all feel that way too. I just feel like I'm wrong and messed up. I don't want to be judged by the books. I'll tell you that right now. All the thoughts, just, just constantly falling short. But then God gives me grace and I'm trying. And there's moments where like, man, I'm so glad I listened to the Lord on that one and got that right. So I was in high school in 2001, and I was at Walmart, and I saw a guy there, and he was a, a guy that I knew there was something, he had a challenge of some sort. And so I went up to him, I could tell he was struggling with, the, with looking for CDs, and I asked him, did he need help? And he said, yes, and I started talking to him. He, now, I know y'all might not know, some of y'all younger might not know what a CD is. It's a compact disc that you, I'm just kidding. And so we're looking through the CDs, and he is looking for a CD. I helped find the CD, and I, I hand to him, and I just try to be nice because I could tell he kind of shared he doesn't have a lot of friends. And I started sharing with him. I was like, you know, um, where do you go to church? And he was like, I don't go to church. We've never really been to church. I was like, oh, you should come to my church. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. He's like, I think this is great. And he's like, can you drop me? Because I can't drive. And I was like, okay. Where do you live? I live about 40 minutes from here. I was like, yes, I can do that. (laughs) And so I went and picked him up that Sunday night because it was youth group. So I went and picked him up, brought him to youth group, took him home. He had the best time. Hey, you coming to get me next Sunday? I guess I am. <laughs> sure. And so I came back the next Sunday. Well, then we move right after that. We're gonna have youth group on Wednesday and Sunday. I was like, you coming? To, he's like, you coming to get me Wednesday? Yeah, I'll be there. So Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, for a long time. He started inviting his brother to come with us, and we're in youth group one night, and they're worshiping. And, uh, and my pastor gave a message similar to this one. He had everybody close their eyes. And I, I was the student assistant, so I'd always peek. That was my job. And then write their name down so our youth pastor could go meet with them. And I peeked, you know. And he said, and this guy's name was Chris. He said, hey, if anybody wants Jesus tonight. And Chris raised his hand. And not only did Chris raise his hand, his brother raised his hand. And then they invited their mom. And she got saved. 
And then I had to, I left that church because I was going to, to, to get a job at a different church. And he stayed serving at that church. In that youth group, can I tell you, what you have can make a difference. What you have matters. Your time can make a difference. And sharing Jesus can change eternity. Come on, somebody. It can change eternity.